pledge allegiance to the flag of, well, what? Why? Why do we pledge allegiance to a flag? What does that mean? And is it significant? I know most of you probably grew up in your class or wherever pledging allegiance to the flag. In fact, I just went to a swim meet the other day where we did the same thing. And it does have a meaning. But does the flag we fly make any difference to our beliefs or our worldview? I would say that it does. And the left knows that it does. And they are benefiting from it. So we're going to look at a story today of a religious Catholic school that is in hot water for flying, well, the wrong flag. And why that matters to you and to me now. Also, unfortunately, we just saw the deadliest migrant event in U.S. history. And we have to talk about that as well. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome to Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard, your host here, and I appreciate you stopping by today. I want to help you with some of the news of the day and to understand what it means to us just as we walk around and are in this world. I know most of you spend some time on news, spend some time figuring things out, and I want to help you understand some of the things that are happening behind the scenes. What is the worldview that's driving this? So I want to offer you the news from a Christian perspective and how that can inform just how we live. I also want to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. That's really primary thing. So we'll talk about both of those things at the end of today. We'll have a quick Bible verse uh, just to remind us of what this all means and why it makes a difference. So before we get there and before we get to the news, if you haven't already, like and subscribe just so that you understand uh, and get these notifications. Hit that notification bell uh, depending on which platform you're on. If this is helpful to you, feel free to send it to a friend through text, email, carrier pigeon, snail mail. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I'll take I'll take any of it. If not, just uh, take that same paper that you wrote the information on and crumple it up and throw it into the fire. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But uh, I really appreciate you being here today and being part of this. And if you are listening, I really appreciate you. If you want to see the video, you can go to churchpublic.com slash podcast. All right. So what are we talking about today? Today, we're just talking about a couple of stories. Um, one is a Catholic school's flying of certain flags that the Catholic organization that sponsors the cool, the school said, hey, we need to talk about this. We're going to get to that. But first, unfortunately, I have to bring you this story that is um, apparently one of the deadliest migrant events in U.S. history, which is really, really sad. And this is a horrible and tragic and really atrocious story. On Monday morning, there was a lot of things going on. And so we talked about a lot of different things. But we didn't talk about this. Amid the going the the crisis at the southern border, of which there still is, and we don't hear a lot of, um, authorities in Texas discovered a semi truck full of dozens and dozens of people, and unfortunately, many of them were already dead. If you aren't from Texas, if you don't live in Texas, if you don't understand the heat of Texas, it is crazy hot, and this week it has been especially hot, and unfortunately, temperatures were over a hundred degrees while this truck was operating or doing whatever it was doing. So authorities in Texas discovered this semi-truck trailer containing dozens of people, and unfortunately, most of them were dead. Some of them were still dying. They were all coming over the border illegally, and some have called this the deadliest human smuggling event in American history. A government worker on a secluded road outside of San Antonio, Texas, heard cries for help when a parked semi-truck uh, he approached this truck and found dozens of already dead people and dying people inside. Apparently, they couldn't even open the doors to get out because they were so weakened. Police arrived and began transporting those who were still alive to medical facilities. 
uh, as of this moment, uh, and, and the best report that I could find, the death toll is around 51. This is the biggest and deadliest migrant event in American history in one moment. The last and biggest deadliest event before this was in 2003 when 19 died in a truck also in South Texas. The assumption right now, according to reports, is that smugglers drove through the border in Laredo and then something happened with the truck, some kind of technical difficulty, mechanical difficulty, and they just abandoned it and all the people inside. This is a serious human tragedy. 50 plus people are dead, several more in the hospital because of this border crisis. This is really a crisis and lives are being lost. I don't want you to miss that and I want you to feel the weight of that because this is really important. And you have people in the administration who are saying, well, it's bad, but it's not that bad. No, it really is that bad. When 50 people die because of the policies of an administration, that's bad. Officials say the container the migrants were in had no working air conditioning and it was around 101 degrees in San Antonio on Monday. There also was reportedly no water inside. Critics of the president, according to a report, said he bore at least partial responsibility because his policies have incentivized migrants to come to the U.S. by any means necessary because they know there's a good chance they'll be allowed to stay and receive government benefits despite a lack of citizenship. Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, said, quote, these deaths are on Biden. They are the result of his deadly open border policies. They show the deadly consequences of his refusal refusal to enforce the law, end quote. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre took questions on the matter and said, we are focused on them, the migrants, and on the facts. She continued, and holding on the human, I'm sorry, and holding the human smugglers who endangered the vulnerable individuals for profits accountable. And we're focusing on continuing our historic actions to disrupt dangerous smuggling networks, including through new anti-smuggling campaigns just in the first two months resulted in over 1,800 arrests. Here's the kicker, she says. But the fact of the matter is the border is closed. End quote. That was Karine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary, saying the border is closed. So, according to Washington Post, the deaths come amid a surge in migration at the border with the latest U.S. Customs and Border Protection figures showing immigration arrests there in May. This is just May, rose to the highest level ever recorded. Just in May, Customs and Border Patrol made 239,416 arrests along the border between U.S. and Mexico. 239,000. That adds to the rolling tally And according to U.S. CBP, the agency is on pace to surpass the record of last year, 2021, of 1.73 million border arrests in the year 2021. Again, it looks like we're going to pass that. Probably hit 2 million illegal immigrant crossings this year. And those are only the ones that were caught. To some observers, 1.7 million people crossing the border illegally or more would seem to show, in difference to Karine Jean-Pierre's statement of the border being closed, that it is, in fact, not closed. This is a problem, and it's causing all kinds of issues. Not just these poor people that were killed, uh, which died in the back of this super-hot 18-wheeler, but the amount of fentanyl coming across the border is astronomical. 
uh, and fentanyl is killing more people in America than anything else, I think, this year, as, a, as far as I can tell. Uh, that's really bad. And in, in terms of drug overdoses, because it is a very dangerous drug. It's in all kinds of other drugs at this point. Uh, China's, I'm not even going to get into it. It's just, there's there are so many things. Not to mention the human trafficking, which we've talked about before. Because many women and children are just trafficked across the border to present a, a, a nuclear family of which they're not. They just become part of this cartel organization. And then they're trafficked into America uh, again. This is a really bad situation, and as I mentioned, 1.73 million people coming across doesn't quite appear that the border is closed. All right, we're going to get to this other story today uh, because that was a really heavy story. We're going to talk about a different story, and we're going to talk about flags and pledging allegiance to a flag. And what does that mean? What does it mean to pledge allegiance to a flag, and why does that matter to you and me? Because you're like, I I graduated school already. I don't want to go back. I don't want to pledge allegiance anymore. Well, it, it does make a difference, and the, the reason it makes a difference is the, the flag that you pledge your allegiance to determines what you pledge your allegiance to. Now, that should be common sense, but apparently we've entered a place where sometimes common sense isn't so common. So actually, we're going to turn to Massachusetts today, and we're going to turn to Massachusetts to this place. Um, and I've I've got to I've got to start with this because I I like other languages, and I'm a fan of pronunciation. And the word Worcester, I have been reliably told, you actually pronounce Worcester, or if you're really local to Massachusetts, Worcester. Um. Yeah, so I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll probably mess up the name of this several times during this story, though I like pronunciation. Worcester, as it's spelled, the W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R, uh, or the English spelling has an H in there, uh, pronounced Wista just doesn't make any sense to me. That's a side note. So we're in Massachusetts, and we're looking at a Catholic school. And the name of this Catholic school is even important. The name of this Catholic school is the Nativity School of Wista. The Nativity School. Remember the Nativity? Like Jesus, Mary, you know, Joseph in the Nativity. Like baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Nativity. It's kind of kind of a thing uh, when Jesus comes to the world and, and we recognize what that means for the world and us humans and Christians uh, more broadly. So that's the name of the school. According to CNN... A Massachusetts middle school can no longer fly gay pride and Black Lives Matter flags. This is according to CNN at the school. The bishop of the Diocese of Wista of the Catholic Church has said this. Bishop Robert McManus Thursday uh, cited an open letter to the school. This was actually a week ago Thursday. I'm a little behind on this story, but I really wanted to cover it because I think it's important to us. He cited an open letter to the school in early May. That was a while ago. Uh, for his decision to say the school can no longer be associated with the Catholic faith. He said, quote, I publicly stated in an open letter, these symbols, the flags that you see here, contradict Catholic social and moral teaching. These flags, he said, embody specific agendas or ideologies. The bishop said, it is my contention that the gay pride flag represents support of gay marriage and actively living a LGBTQ plus lifestyle. He went on to say, this is also true of the Black Lives Matter flag. 
The Catholic Church teaches that all life is sacred, and the Catholic Church certainly stands unequivocally behind the phrase Black Lives Matter and strongly affirms that all lives matter. Um, and this is an important statement that I've talked about many times on this show that the phrase Black Lives Matter, the organization Black Lives Matter, have all been conflated into one thing. It is a etymologically loaded statement. What that means is the, the, uh, the definition of it means a lot of different things, and when you talk about it, it's hard to know which thing you're talking about. Of course, the general phrase, Black Lives Matter, referring to people, is totally true. Everyone believes that. The organization, however, as we've found out over the past several weeks and months, they have bought large mansions with the funds that they received. Some of the funds have disappeared and no one knows where they are. Some of the people have disappeared that collected all the money and we don't know where they are. Clearly, there's something going on. Not to mention, the original stated goal of the organization was to disrupt the nuclear family and basically eliminate family ties uh, and invoke a Marxist ideology into the United States of America. So those are, just by nature, antithetical to the Bible and Christianity, and specifically the Catholic Church and a couple of the popes have said socialism communism are by definition, at odds with the Catholic teachings. They have said this. So it's, it's, it's not a surprise that you can't say, hey, if you're going to say you're a Marxist, socialist, communist, you're also not a Catholic. Those things are functionally at odds, according to the Pope and the Catholic Church. And of course, you can just turn to the Bible because as many have said or claimed that Jesus is a socialist, uh, no, he's not. Jesus is not a socialist. He never was a socialist. That ideology doesn't exist, but the difference, I'll give you two sentences about the difference. Jesus says you should help those that are underprivileged, and you should help those that need help and assistance. We talked about that. We talked about that with the road decision. You should help those that can't help themselves. He doesn't force you through the state government to help others. That's the difference between the gospel, where you use your generosity, your love, your love of one another to help others, or you are forced by the government to help others. See the difference? Kind of a big difference there. I, in my heart, feel compassion and sympathy for others. I see their situation. I want to help as a Christian. That's the gospel. The government says, these people are troubled. You need to help them, so I'm going to take your resources and give it to them. See how those are slightly different situations? Yeah, Jesus was not a socialist. All right, back to the flags. Let's think for a moment about a flag. Because I, I, I haven't done this in, in this much depth, but I think it's important. I think it's important to understand what we're talking about in terms of flags. <clears throat> what is a flag? And, and, and what does it represent? Banners and flags are used as identifiers. You see the reference to banners, flags, uh, and, and, and other words for the same thing throughout the Bible. There's more than 300 references to banners and flags in the Bible. And that's not to mention the reference to banners and flags, the use of banners and flags, basically for human history throughout all time. They've been used, and they've been used for specific purposes to identify things. They're basically three main purposes, to identify a group, to claim possession of a space or a territory, right? Even I was just uh, talking to somebody about landing on the moon, and there is an American flag on the moon. Why? Because it says Americans landed on the moon. We're not claiming the moon for America. We're just saying we made it there. 
to claim possession of a space or territory and lend festivity to a celebration. Banners are rallying points. They rally that moment or that space physically and also spiritually. The context of banners used in the Bible is mostly military. It's a banner of victory ascribed to God. Exodus 17, 15. Moses celebrates the victory over the Amalekites by building an altar and calling the altar, the Lord is my banner. Why military? What does the flag have to do with military? Because you proclaim your presence and you control that space by raising your banner over the space that you occupy. Again, this has been done for thousands of years. It also has to do with possession in some sense. Even in the Song of Solomon, when you're talking about people, the woman in the Song of Solomon, uh, Solomon's wife, acknowledges the banner of her husband as a banner of love. The banner is raised in celebration. It's raised in possession. It's raised in connection and protection over uh, the woman. In Psalm 66, the banner shows the Lord's dominion and claims his spiritual territory, ushering in the very presence of God's spirit. So, back to America. Why do we, you and me, pledge allegiance to the flag? Well, because the flag is a symbol of that which you pledge. The symbol represents your belief in the larger ideal, which totally makes sense in terms of your country. You love your country. You stand behind your country's values. Or, as in we see in America, you don't. You don't believe it, and so you don't pledge allegiance to the flag, and you replace your country's flag with another flag, perhaps a flag with a different religious ideal. And that's what we're seeing here. The American flag represents the nation of the United States. And that's an important point. The American flag is a national flag. It represents our country. It represents our nation. It doesn't represent the rest of the world, because the rest of the world is not America. Again, it's a common sense idea. Everybody should know this. It makes sense. Now, there are American flags in embassies across the world that represent that place in America. And as some of you know, the embassy is actually sovereign territory of that country wherever it is. There are embassies in America where that country uh, will just say, like, South Korea or, or Russia. There are embassies, and that embassy, even in America, they raise their flag, and that land now is sovereign territory in America based on that embassy. Same thing is true when American embassies go across the world. The pride flag represents something else. It doesn't represent a national identity. It represents a global ideal that humanity should conform to. It represents this ideal that LGBTQ plus AAIP values should be known and practiced throughout the world. And you're starting to see this all over the world. Yesterday, we talked about these flags over the UK. Even American embassies are starting to fly pride flags. And in this instance, we're talking about a pride flag over a school within the network of Catholic uh, religion. But the pride flag represents a global ideal that humanity should conform to, according to its followers. And this is what we see. And this is what we, we are starting to get. You must conform to the religious ideals of the LGBTQ hashtag dollar sign plus plus pride or you are kicked out of the world. I mean, that is what we're seeing. There, there is no tolerance for you if you don't agree with this ideal. You must conform. And for once, Catholicism has noticed what this flag means and put a stop to it. I think this is really important. It's something that we need to take note of. This flag does not represent Christianity, and in fact, it can't represent Christianity. I've said numerous times on numerous posts so far that pride is not a virtue. I've given you so many verses that pride goes before a fall, the Lord hates pride. Like, pride is not a thing that a Christian can espouse, much less 
a same-sex lifestyle. There's verse after verse after verse that says, uh, you know, even back to Genesis, God created male and female. You've got Corinthians, you've got uh, Timothy, you've got Jesus himself talking about a husband of one wife. Uh, you, you have many, many places where God is saying that man and wife in, in union and marriage are supposed to be the ideal relationship and family building. And in fact, just biologically, that is how you build a society. Man and wife get together and have a baby, and then you have more babies, and then you have a society. That's just how it works biologically. But we've thrown that out the window and decided that family doesn't exist. It can be whatever you want. Relationship doesn't exist. And sexual ethic doesn't exist. It can be whatever you want. The only rule, according to the left, is consent, which more and more is changing. And we see through this trans ideology that the idea of consent is only based on whatever you want it to be. So you see younger and younger ages encouraged to transition because you should. And consent is the only value. And we've even alluded to the fact that the next thing that's going to come, and in fact, in many places that already is, you have people arguing for minor attracted sexual identities. You see this now, and it's going to increase faster and faster and faster because if consent is the only virtue, consent is the only barrier, bar, in between sexual relationship, then you're just going to lower that age and lower that age and lower that age. It's disgusting, but this is the world we are living in. So back to flags. When you fly that flag, you're saying, I agree with this worldview that sexual expression is the most important thing in your life and consent is the only thing, the only bar that you need in order to change whether it's approved of or not. That is just not a Christian value. It's not a gospel value. It's really not even a biological value, but that's a story for another day. So as followers, I really like that this Catholic Church has stood up and said, no, if you're going to fly these flags, you don't get to be part of the Catholic denomination. I, for one, would like to see more denominations, more churches, more bishops, more elders take a stand against the competing religion, and it is a religion, of pride, and tell the church, either you worship God or not, but you can't do both. And this leads us to our verse of the day, and this is, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Luke 4, 8. And just again, I talked about this at length the other day, but for the context of this verse, it's Jesus talking to the devil. Because the devil is going to say, you can worship whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can have whatever religion you want. You can practice whatever you want. Everything is fine. God would say something different. And in fact, he did. Not only in Deuteronomy, where he reprised this, and this is where Jesus quotes, But when Jesus responds to the devil, who says, hey, worship me, everything's going to be great, Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I hope that's what you do today, that you worship the Lord your God and you serve him only. I hope that you continue to run this race in spite of the crazy world that we're living in, because it's going to get more crazy. That's just the world that we're living in. I hope that you follow after God with your heart and soul and mind and strength, that you worship the Lord and serve him only, and of course, that you keep the faith. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard. See you next time.